everybody. Good morning. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Coming at you on a Monday after a disappointing Saints loss. No other way to put it. Uh, two straight losses, as Sean Payton put it. A gut check. It's been a while since they lost two in a row. But I uh, said, look, let's not fool ourselves. We're not playing discipline enough on both sides of the ball. That's really just the truth. We will dig into the Saints' loss last night to the Green Bay Packers. We will dig into um, LSU and, oof, Bo Pelini. Sheesh. Sheesh. We'll dig into that. LSU's uh, loss to open the season against Mississippi State. And uh, Louisiana's raging Cajuns getting the W at the last minute in walk-off fashion. It is uh, It is just, it's beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. Um, <coughs> excuse me. In fact, you know, just to start off on a, on a positive note here. Let's see if I have the right audio pulled up. Thank you. Snap. Placement. Kick. On its way. Raise your hands, the bro. kick Raise is good. <laughs> Cajuns win it. A 53-yarder by Nate Snyder. As time expires and Louisiana gets a 53-yard field goal from Nate Snyder. And they win 20-18. to 18. Holy cow. Holy cow indeed, man. What a... Football can be so redemptive at some points. Don't lie. Everybody's talking about Nate Snyder. He's one of five. He can't hit anything. UL's going for it on fourth and five from their own 17 because they don't trust their field goal kicker to make a a, a 35-yarder. Or It comes down to a 53-yard kick. And here's the deal. If that thing was from 30 yards, I mean, he might not. He probably wouldn't have kicked it the same way. But it wouldn't have gone in because distance has not been the issue this season with Nate Snyder. It has been accuracy. He had the distance in that one right down the pike and in, in, in the Cajuns improved to 3-0, and yet they fall out of both polls. Now, top 25 polls in the AP, you're welcoming in both the Big Ten and, uh, and the Pac-12 and in the coaches' poll, the Big Ten, Cajuns were 25 in the coaches' poll. So you figure even if they had rolled over Georgia Southern and won by 30, they would have bounced them out of there. How many folks were even watching the game? How many voters knew that the Cajuns were missing as many players as they were? And look, it wasn't, it would, it wasn't the best performance by UL. But when you're missing as many guys as you are, and Georgia Southern, who wants to come in and control the time of possession and did so by over 11 minutes and turned it over at the one-inch line whenever Johnson's reaching for the goal line and fumbles it away and then scores on a quick five-play, 61-yard drive. with le- They get the ball back. There's less than two minutes left. Right? At some point, there's less than two minutes left. There's about 90 seconds left in the game. 
and it takes him five plays. Caleb Hood, 28-yard pass. What a catch by Hood. And then Shai Wartz just with an incredible two-point conversion, and now you're like, uh-oh. 54 seconds left. Are they going to have to rely on their kicker? The guy who's, what? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they did. And yeah, he nailed it. And I was talking to Chris Lino last week about the next time he lines up to kick a field goal, he absolutely has to hit it for so many reasons. I don't care what what point in the game it is, but for his own confidence from a mental standpoint, from the confidence of his teammates, of the team, he's got to hit it. And he didn't. And he missed it. And he hit a 25-yarder late in the third quarter that just barely got inside the upright. So he's, what, 2-6 of six on the year up to that point? When he's lining up for the game winner from 53 yards and, you know, look, if you want to go to win probability and actually look at the computers that generate all of these things, after Georgia Southern's two-point conversion, their win probability was 88.1%. After Levi Lewis threw incomplete and there was a holding penalty on Carlos Rubio, it was at 88.1%. And then... Just keep on trucking, keep on trucking, and then boom. Get the big pass to Kyron, um, not Kyron Lacey, that was the one that was broken up. Trey Regis just with a couple of big catches, getting him down the field, and then boom. Set it up for the game winner. And now you get ready for App State on a Wednesday night, on ESPN, a week from this Wednesday. It's huge. But you're 3-0. and You're 3-0. and Coach Billy Napier is going to join us at 7.15. we got a lot to dig into this morning. Going to chat with him. Going to talk plenty about the uh, the Saints' performance last night. LSU's performance. The SEC just means score, apparently. It just means score. Ooh. Florida, 51. Ole Miss, 35. K.J. Costello, Mississippi State quarterback, throws a bad pick six in the first half, takes a lot of sacks, and is currently averaging 623 yards passing per game in the SEC. Set an SEC record. Single-game record. I mean, my goodness. Last fall, we witnessed the greatest season-long quarterback performance, I think, in the history of college football when Joe Burrow threw 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns. And I said, no matter what Miles Brennan does, it's not going to be it's not going to be enough. You can have a great season and folks are going to complain. There's a lot to fix offensively, okay? I'm not sitting here telling you that 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 Miles Brennan played great because he didn't. But when your de- when your offense, excuse me, when your defense is going to consistently get torched trying to play man and be an absolute failure on third down, third down. Third down. I mean, third and 13, third and 20, third and 10, third and 10, third and 10, third and 9 and Mississippi State got a first down on either all of those or they scored a touchdown on them. Third and 10 from the LSU 38. LSU brings four. Plays man cover too tight. Gets burned on a crossing route. 
Third and nine from LSU's 24. 3.46 left in the game. The game hanging in the balance. We're going to rush for We're going to keep playing cover two. Man, tight coverage. Got beat over the uh, over the top. Touchdown, Mississippi State. K.J. Costello was 7 of 10 on third down with three touchdowns and seven first downs. You got to try some zone, okay? You have to. Now, would they have stopped them in the zone? I have no idea. I have no idea. They weren't blitzing a, an incredible amount. But you just, when you have man principles for an entire game, when you're getting torched the entire game, come on. It's like your house catches fire and everything's burning down. And, you know, when you run outside, you're. A tree branch kind of falls on the back of your car and you have a dent in it. And you're overly worried about the dent, but not the fact that your house is burning down. That's like everyone that's like calling out Miles Brennan. Oh, he did. Oh, he couldn't do this or he couldn't do that. It doesn't matter when your defense has given up 623 yards of offense. Joe Burrow's first stat line after not starting for years, his first stat line at LSU. Remember that win against Miami? He was 11 of 24, 45% completion percentage, 140 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Miles Brennan, 27 of 46, 58% completion percentage, 345 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. I'm not, no, Miles Brennan is not going to be Joe Burrow. He'll never be Joe Burrow. But the point is, in both of those games, the LSU defense Gave up. Uh, the LSU defense had a pick six. They scored, I think, the same amount of points. What's the difference here, guys? The difference is the defense. I'll go back later and remind you about what Popolini did in his first few games as D coordinator back in 2005 and LSU failing to adjust and how offenses were still able to rack up a lot of yards. Not those kind of yards. And they were still able to get wins over Arizona State, and they lost a very disappointing game on a Monday night to Tennessee and struggled defensively early in the season, but were able to overcome it because they were loaded. LSU lost a ton of talent, and now? Oof. K.J. Costello torched them. Absolutely torched them. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, though. They're 3-0. and Play kick on its way. Raise your and hands, the kick bro. is hands, good. <laughs> Cajuns win it. A 53-yarder by Nate Snyder as time expires and Louisiana gets a 53-yard field goal from Nate Snyder and they win 20 to 18. Holy cow! We'll talk to Rage Cajun head football coach Billy Napier next. Placement, kick on its way. Raise your hands. The kick is good. (laughs) Cajuns win it. A 53-yarder by Nate Snyder as time expires and Louisiana.
Sienna gets a 53-yard field goal from Nate Schneider, and they win 20-18. to 18. <laughs> Holy cow. Jay Walker Snap. on the call with Gerald Broussard, Learfield IMG College, and right here on ESPN 1420. And joining us now, the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier. And the first thing you told us after the game, Billy, was, well, I hope you guys were entertained. Uh, when you're coaching a game like that, uh, can can you be entertained while also dealing with the perhaps stress or responsibility of trying to coach a football team and get a win? Well, you know, I think I think that, um, you know, we went in there a little shorthanded. We were without a couple players, and then within the game, we lost players. You know, we had some injuries throughout. Uh, so we knew it was going to be a tough day at the park. You know, they, they got most of their team back. They had uh, COVID issues a couple weeks ago. Um we knew it was going to be a battle. We played those guys to a really close game down at their place the last time we played. You know, they're a big, fast, physical team. The quarterback creates issues for you. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those days at the park, man. You know, just had a few miscues here and there. We did a lot of good things well. I was really proud uh, of a lot of the young men that stepped up and really played football for the Cajuns for the first time in their career. Uh, when it really mattered. Um, you know, and this is going to be, I don't know, maybe not an inside baseball question, but I just thought of it. Uh, when you are when you have a season where you don't have to worry about um, eligibility in terms of, well, if this guy plays more than four, he could you where that's kind of all off the table and you're dealing with the loss of so many players, uh, how nice is it just not to have to have that in the back of your mind or – uh, or on a chart, or even think about it when you really need. I mean, it is it is all hands on deck this season. Well, no, I, I think it was it's a great rule the NCAA incorporated a month or two ago. Um, certainly, going to need them all. You know, I think you know our our streak of nine weeks there, where we were, you know, without any issues. Uh, once school started, you know, that's when we kind of had. Uh, more issues, um, as we would say, but in general, really proud of our team. You know, we took the players that were available. I thought the coaches did a really good job uh, defensively. We had a good plan. They played really hard. We played through the ups and the downs. You know, on offense, and then, you know, in general, it, it became one of those days where we had to, you know, play our way through the tough, the ups and downs of the game, and. You got to give uh, Nate Snyder a lot of credit. You know he's been through some adversity here early. Um, been working really hard on his technique and fundamentals, and uh, certainly to be in the right place there mentally and be prepared for the team and to do your job at, at the critical moment. Pretty special, pretty special opportunity there for him. He took full advantage of it. Well, uh, Coach Napier, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, I love I, I just when moments like that happen, Billy, I always tell myself, you know, this is when I love football, when it, it gets to really play the redemption story within itself. Right. Because for Nate Snyder, um, you know, look, I, I'm, I work in the media. Uh, I hear from fans a lot and I know everything that was being said and, uh, you know, text messages or tweets or, oh, my God, what is this? What is that? And uh, for him to nail that, and I can tell you this, 
you know, I um, I was at church yesterday, uh, a social distance version of, and um, you know, the uh, the priest led his homily off talking about Nate Snyder's kick and tying it into the homily <laughs> and about redemption, and uh, and I was like, Amen, brother, because. When you have, I mean, look, he he was struggling. I mean, it, it's it's obvious he wouldn't have said as much, but to suddenly have that opportunity come up, where okay, it's going to be the longest one by far this year. You're attempting, and uh, it's only the game on the line. So good luck, kid. Um, I mean, he to to have that mental fortitude um, to nail it, man. That was uh, that's just those moments in football that, when it comes to redemption, I personally I just love him, coach. Yeah, we, we've, you know, I think our team, I think you've heard from some of the players, you know, we've been around, Nate, going all the way back to mini camp and training camp and even in season. Uh, we've seen his ability. You know, he's been a really consistent player uh, in practice. I, I would say some of the struggles he's had uh, in the games it was a little bit of a surprise to us. Uh, so there's always been, even though he's missed a couple, there's always been kind of a quiet confidence that, you know, as time goes and he gets comfortable that, that he's going to be a weapon for our team. Um, you know, I think fundamentally there were a few things. Sometimes the operation early in the year wasn't quite as sharp. So, you know, much like a lot of us, uh, coaches included, uh, we've made some mistakes. We haven't played our best at times or coached our best at times. He's no different. I'm really proud of him to continue to work, and uh, hopefully this will help him, you know, gain some confidence and be uh, a better competitor on game day, uh, which I really think he can be. I think he can be a special player for us. Um, it's a hypothetical, but not having Kenny Almendarez, who's kicked some uh, some kicks for you this year, uh, he being out, um, does that – was that in the back of your mind at all as as Snyder misses the first kick? Like, okay, look, we're riding it one way or the other. I mean, if he's back there, is things maybe a little different on Saturday? Well, I, I think, I mean, we, we've got what we got. You know, I, uh, I told the staff the other day, I said, this is a little bit like week to week. It's like high school football coaching. You take what you you've got in your – community and you try to make the best team out of it you can you know i mean um and certainly that's kind of what we've been doing you know i think it's really created a team atmosphere you know where everybody feels like they've got to be prepared and be ready week to week um the roles inside the building and within the team have changed quite a bit just in three games so uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun i know some may think that um you know, there's there is some negatives that come with it, and certainly we're working around those things. But you know, to see a lot of these young men work work really hard and then have an opportunity, you know, to see that excitement, some of these kids has been it's been a lot of fun, and certainly for the Cajuns to be three and zero, you know, and work our way through a lot of ups and downs is a good thing. Reggie Cajun head football coach Billy Napier, our guest. Uh, how are you guys feeling in the health department? How's Chris Smith feeling? And um, just coming out of that one, I know there's always some some nicks and bruises coming out of a game. Now we we are a little banged up. Um, you know, we played really three uh, tough games in a row here. You know, ones that go down to the the final minute. So um, I think 
is part of the game. You know, we're fortunate we're going to have a 10-day break here before we go to Boone, North Carolina, um, and we're going to need that. You know, we've got a handful of players that are banged up. We certainly are going to get a big contingency of players back for this game, which will be a positive. Um, but we're going to take a little bit of a two-day approach on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we're going to work really hard over the next three days on our team and some future opponents, um, you know, and really try to get healthy, uh, manage the workload, um, and then also working on some of these young players continuing to develop and then some of the veteran players that we have trying to help them play better and coming up for you know with plans for improvement, uh, developing a practice plan for those two days. So, We'll turn the page officially on Thursday to App State, um, you know. But in the meantime, we're going to try to get healthy here uh, and work with the players that are available, uh, and be real intentional about that. Any updates on on Chris Smith coming out of the game, Coach? Uh, we don't think it's a long term issue. Um, we think that uh, it's going to be, you know, just a matter of a couple of days to recover here. Um, but I don't think that we anticipate it being a, you know, a season-ending injury. You know, I know that uh, with with Elijah Mitchell unavailable to play, and then when Chris Smith got injured, you know, you got Trey Regis who's been there for a while. Uh, you said after the game, he's one of the more uh, selfless uh, players that you've ever coached in your entire career of coaching. Uh, just to have him available, the experience, the leadership, both in the run and the pass game. I mean, some big catches late. Just speak for a moment on Regis, uh, what he means to the team, and and how he kind of stands out among all the players you've coached throughout your career. Yeah, I think I think the running backs in particular uh, over the last couple of years, Coach Luke has done a terrific job with that group. Uh, they're all uh, exceptional people, you know. I think there's an expectation in that room and a standard in that room about how to go about your business as a person, as a student, um, you know, in the community, uh, Trey's been, you know, his relationship with Eli, with Raymond in the past couple of years with some of these young players now, TJ Wish and Mamani Bailey, um, Chris Smith, that, that entire group, uh, the way we share the load in that room and for, for us to never have an issue there, for them to buy into that concept, I think has been huge. You know, Trey's been a steady, consistent player. Uh, he's one of our better practice players and, you know, really proud of Trey. You know, I think he, um, you know, he's been through a few things as, as we've been through this deal. And I think in general, he's stepped up. Certainly those two catches at the end of the game, there were, were big and having an opportunity to even kick the field off. Coach Billy Napier, our guest, ESPN 1420. A uh, number of newcomers stepping up, like you said. Uh, Errol Rogers Jr. Uh, getting his first career uh, receptions, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he had one last week. But getting his first career touchdown as well. You know, you, we knew coming into this season, Coach, COVID or not, injuries or not, we knew coming in that some freshmen at the receiver position were going to have to step up. You've had a number of them. But uh, for the local kid, his performance on Saturday, um, how much of uh, was he, you know, kind of going into the game, part of the game plan, and how much was he uh, just, you know, as the game came to you guys, just kind of taking his shots whenever his uh, his number was called? 
Well, Arrow started the game. You know, it was his first start. Uh, certainly, I think Arrow would be a little bit further along if he hadn't been injured in training camp. He had a kind of an oblique strain in training camp that set him back for about 10 days. Uh, but as he's gotten healthy, uh, he's proved to be a real steady, consistent player. Um, you know, and a guy, it's not too big for him, right? He's able to go to the meeting, go to the walkthrough, uh, retains information well. He's really a detailed player. Uh, and some of that showed up, you know, Saturday. I thought he really played well for a rookie, you know. Um, and I think that was one of the bright spots there is to not only see him getting time, but also to play play well. I think that's a good sign for the future. Uh, we knew these young receivers were going to have to play. Uh, some of these injuries have forced that, um, and I do think we took a step forward. I thought that that group played well Saturday when we went back and looked at the tape, a lot more specific, detailed, and um, we had more precision. They played more physical. Um, you know, certainly from Georgia State to Georgia Southern, I thought the receiver group really improved. Arrow was part of that for sure. Billy Napier, our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Uh, the Cajuns now 3-0. and Coach, um, <clears throat> you know, you've consistently said what you said about the polls. You know, they'll we just worry about what we got to worry about. Uh, but fans were anxious to see what would happen when the latest polls came out. Uh, how many on your staff, if at all, were, were were paying attention yesterday? What are your thoughts on improving to three and zero, but falling out of the coaches and the AP top twenty five? Well, I think you throw a lot of teams, you know, back into the polls that haven't played. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you start; it's about where, it's about where you finish. It was great there when there weren't a lot of teams available to get some recognition and all that. Great for the program, great for the university and the community. But, you know, we, we can finish there. You know, we just got to handle our business, you know, and I think uh, that's what's most important here. We've got a quality win against a Power 5 opponent. Um, you know, I think going forward here, it's it's really about one week at a time doing what we're supposed to do. And in the end, if you're one of those teams that's left and you've got a, a proven history and track record and uh, some really good wins on your schedule, you'll get that opportunity. But, you know, that that's not our choice or our decision. Those are external factors that, you know, you can't worry about those things, right? Those those out, That's icing on the cake. You know, we need to uh, win these league games and, and try to get in position to win the Western Division and get back in the championship game. Um, and along the way, um, continue to improve, right? When we get an opportunity to play well um, on national TV, you know, that always affects these polls. So um, it is what it is right now, you know, and all I can tell you is we got nine days now to get ready for App State, and that's what we're going to work on. Nine days for App State uh, that, Coach, you know, since you've been here, hadn't been able to get by them, and frankly, this program as a whole lifetime has not been able to beat App State. Um, you know, you've it's not like you've been here for 10 years, but you've faced this team a lot already because you've both been at the top of your divisions. You played for conference championships. Um, what are your, your early thoughts on this year's version of App State? I know you'll dig a lot more into the tape as that game grows closer, but just this team and and – and I guess keys to being able to beat them for the first time. 
Well, I think I think it's way too early to answer some of those questions. You know, uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge on third Thursday when we turn the page. Um, in the meantime, we're going to try to get healthy, work really hard on our team for two days and some future opponents. Um, you know, nothing that's happened in the past is going to affect this game. You know, it's going to come down to this team, this staff, uh, trying to position our players and have the best plan we can uh, for them. Uh, let's take the players that are available for the game and get the most out of them. And that's what we're going to worry about. We're going to worry about anything that happened in the past. This is 2020. Um, you know, and I, I think it's Im- imperative that we do that. Um you know, sometimes we get caught up in the emotion of the game or the history behind the game, when in reality it's going to come down to the basics, uh, the fundamentals, the execution. Um, certainly a lot of work left to do between now and then, and that's what's going to count. Coach Billy Napier uh, has been our guest. A few more for you, Coach. Uh, 11 a.m. kickoffs, first three weeks. When you play in nine days, it'll be a uh, 6.30 kickoff, central time, 7.30, where you guys will be out in Boone. Does the preparation um, change at all? Are there any alterations based on the kickoff time in terms of uh, your lead-up to the game? Well, I mean, our, our schedule on Friday and Saturday obviously will be a little bit different. We're on the road. Uh, we'll just pull out the blueprint, you know, for those type of games. we played many of them. So, um, you know, the, the one thing that's different is you've got um, – 10-day turnaround, right? So our blueprint will be a little bit different in terms of how we practice. But in general, we're typically, um, you know, a night operation here. Most of our games are at night. So the early games is probably where the most significant changes have been. I think our kids will be really comfortable with the 6.30 kick uh, central time. Uh, that's, That's what we've done around here more than anything else. Plenty of videos, uh, not plenty, a few videos from inside the locker room. Doug Domain does such a great job. Um, but uh, the, the team lifting up Nate Snyder as he uh, does a little pose here and there. It's become a meme of, uh, of sorts here around these parts. But when the team, uh, you know, we, we've seen some videos, Coach, where you're, uh, you know, you're smiling and, and you're kind of having fun. But when the team is, is cutting up like that in the locker room, do you jump in, or do you just kind of are those moments as a coach? You just kind of sit back and and just just soak it in and smile. No, man, I think it's uh, it's part of the game, man. These guys deserve it. They work really hard for it. I know they're certainly proud for Nate, you know, and for him and what he's been through. But um, in general, um, you know, that's why you do it. You know, I think these guys they work around the clock. You know, it's a year-round plan that we have here and that we ask a lot of them. So when they get opportunities to do that, they deserve to do it. Being at Cajun Field uh, with some, some in attendance, the band, the fans, uh, practicing social distancing, what's the atmosphere like from a, a, a home game standpoint in the year 2020? You know, I was really proud um, that we were able to get, you know, Whatever capacity that was available, it was great to see that we were able to do that. You know, I think that, uh, and it was a good environment. You know, I think we played a couple different places so far this year. Um, You know, it was great to see our fans out. And certainly, I thought our administration did a really good job of trying to create a typical home game experience. Uh, We certainly appreciate the students that were there, the band, um, you know, and 
I thought it was well thought out. I hope that uh, the fans had a good experience. I know our administration will be working hard to make it even better going forward. And then at some point this year, um, maybe they'll allow more people to come. You know, I know we're all hoping for that. Uh, Coach, being at home, you know, it wasn't a long flight home. You got to, you know, leave the facility, drive back, see the family. So what did uh, what did the three young Napier kids say to Dad when he walked in the door after Saturday's win? Oh, man, they were fired up. They were fired up. You know, we um, that's one of the best things about playing at 11 o'clock. You know, I was joking around with the officials before the game, you know. So we might have have a half a day here where we can pop our feet up and watch some football and spend time with family. Um, and certainly we were thankful for that. It's always a lot better uh, when you win the game, and certainly to win it the way we did uh, made it a fun day. So everybody was great. We we um, were very blessed to be 3-0, and and um, that made Saturday evening a lot better. And it's going to make the next nine days a lot better too. So uh, – you know, we got work to do, and uh, that's what we're going to turn our attention to here as we get ready for a great opportunity here in a couple of days. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns 3-0 and after the 20-18 to walk-off winner against Georgia Southern. Coach, always appreciate you taking the time, man. I know um, in terms of routine, this week's a little different, so coming on Monday morning is a little different in terms of the rest of your schedule, but we always appreciate it. I know the listeners do as well. And uh, best of luck prepping for App State. Um, I'll be seeing you on some Zoom calls. And in the meantime, man, all the best. And we'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right, Scott. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'll see you around. Rachel Cajun at football coach Billy Napier. Talking about Nate Snyder. What did Nate Snyder have to say after the game? Well, we got to talk to him via Zoom. Here it is. Hey Nate, how you doing? All right, what was what was going through your head as you trotted out there? What's that? What was going through your head as you trotted out there? Uh, you know, just had to go out there and do what I've done a thousand times. It's, it's just you know, um, go out there with confidence and just know that you made a kick a thousand times before. It's no different than a PAT. Uh, so really, it was just me talking to myself in my head that you know, just hit this like a PAT. When the drive started, were you thinking, you know, this is going to come down to a kick and I have to make it when, when that – just talk about what you were thinking when the possession started. Yes, I, I knew that we'd be able to drive down and get a kick. And honestly, I just could feel a long one. Like I knew it was going to be a long kick. I don't know how I knew, but I just – I could feel it. Um, so I was thinking uh, I really need to hammer the ball. Um, you know, some misses I've had, it's kind of more me aiming the ball instead of just swinging through hitting the ball. So. Uh, when I was warming up in the net, I was really emphasizing hitting the ball and uh, locking out my follow-through all the way through my swing. So, yeah, I, before we even got the ball, I was sort of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit a long field goal here, either to uh, win the game or, you know. How, how have you maintained your confidence through the early season misses? Uh, that's that's the coaching staff and players here, 100%. They've been super, super great to me. They've been coming up to me. Not not one negative word has been said to me. Um, you know, I'm real hard on myself about anything. So those guys coming up to me and being super supportive has has really helped. I, I credit them for that make because I went out there full confidence uh, and had a little swagger in my walk and 
you look at my stat line, you wouldn't think I had any type of confidence, but I, I did. I felt totally confident. And that's you know, the entire staff all week talking to me, telling me, hey, man, you're good. You can do this. And, you know, I, I credit them for that. Have you ever made a game-winning field goal before? And if not, how was, uh, how was that after uh, you hit the field goal? Uh, my senior year of high school, well, we were undefeated, and then we had a curse in semi-state where we would lose in semi-state by one yard or one point, or we barely lose a game. So in semi-state, uh, I hit a game that, or a field goal to send it into overtime, uh, tie the game up, and that was semi-state. We ended up winning in double overtime to go to state, so that was the only comparable kick. Nate, you kind of mentioned the confidence that, you know, you had leading up this week. What is this game-winning field goal today do for kind of the rest of your season um, in terms of your confidence? Well, yeah, it just, you know, you go out there and you just have more confidence. It's, it's Instead of it being like you thinking, like, you know, thinking things to give yourself confidence, you have it. You already have it. You know, you know, I had a 53-yarder, what's a 37-yarder? I had a 53-yarder, what's a 22-yarder? You know what I mean? So uh, it kind of helps you there. Nate, what would you I tell yourself during the timeout to, you know, pump yourself up to say, you know, I can still hit this? Uh, nothing. It was, you know, I credit the specialists. They were helping me a lot. Uh, if you watched all, we had, uh, like, long snappers holding the ball. They'd take it in their hands and hold it so it would be simulated because kicking off sticks is different than kicking off a snap and hold. So, you know, you can be great off sticks and go out there and not hit the ball well with a snap and hold. So to fix that, I'll have someone hold the ball and uh, – you know, simulate a snap and put it down. So the specialists uh, were helping me with that. And uh, so I was just focused on that. I wasn't really talking to myself other than I was jumping out there. Was that the longest field goal you've ever hit in a game? Um, ironically, 53. I hit it my senior year week two. I just saw a video of uh, the locker room. Um, teammates were throwing you up in the air. What was the atmosphere like when you walked in? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know, Again, a lot of them come up to me when I was down, uh, cheer me up. So it's kind of like, I told you, you know. So that was like a, kind of a, it was a good thing. It was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of guys dancing. It was, it was a fun atmosphere. Any, uh, any discussion with your holder there, Cambray, like either confidence-wise or technical or anything that you're talking about? Yeah, Cambray's a great holder, right? He has great hands and, you know, he's, he, he did it in high school. So he, he, he's a good holder. Um, but I told him before that kick, I said, hey, I'm going to really hammer this ball. So lean the tip of the ball in towards you a little bit so I can you know, get my foot behind it a little more instead of uh, you know, having the ball straight and pushing it to the right. I wanted to be able to swing across my body and really put a lot into it. So I told him, uh, spin, I need the laces out because it's a long kick and then just lean that tip of the ball in a little bit towards you. Do you did you like that it was on the left hash or on the long ones that you preferred being on the right hash? I love left hash because you can just hammer it with you. You can bring your hip all the way through the ball. Uh, kind of like playing like a draw in golf, I would say. So, um, you know, really it's even after I'm like hammering a kick, I'd rather it be on the left hash if uh, it was a long one. Did you know it was good when you hit it? Second I hit it, I knew it was good. I, I think I was halfway off the sideline before the ball was even to the end zone. Last so is, this now, is this now a good hair day or a bad hair day? What's that? Is this now a good hair day? You tell me. I don't know. It's a lot of sweat, I'd say, in here. I, I didn't have time to shower yet. So. No, trust me. This is a new look for me. I will admit that. There's Nate Snyder. Uh, and when he says, look, you you could look at my stat line and think I didn't have any confidence, but I had plenty of confidence. And, I mean, the way he kicked that final kick, I think it showed. I think it showed, man. Shout out to him.
Good through. Good job. Follow through, man. Follow through. We got plenty more in store for you here on the Great Scott Show. We will be opening up phone lines at 269-1077 between the Cajuns, Tigers, Saints. I tell you what, man, there are Sundays, there are many Sundays, actually, where it is. There are two things you got to do as a Saints fan. You root for the Saints and you root against the Falcons. And the latter of the two is more enjoyable. And my God, they did it again. They did it again. Oh, yeah, we're not going to forget about that either. Plenty of post game from some Saints as well. Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Malcolm Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders. A lot more post game sound, a lot more breakdown. Don't go anywhere. The great Scott show continues right after this. Welcome back into the show, everybody. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN 1420.com. 269-1077-269-1077. Phone lines are now open for you. If you want to give me a buzz, you can tweet the show as well, at ESPN 1420. All right. <sighs> We're going to get more into the Saints next hour. Dig a little deeper into LSU's issues, though I think they're pretty obvious. At least they were on Saturday to me. And I'd be remiss if I didn't spend a moment to enjoy the Atlanta Falcons. Because, man, it is fun to root against the Atlanta Falcons. Another collapse? Another collapse? You want to talk about win probability. Remember it was 99.9% with uh, 246 left against the Cowboys? Well, with 56 seconds left in the fourth quarter, it was 90... Jeez. Let's see. Check that. With 221 left in the game. It was 86%. With 7-12 left in the fourth quarter, Atlanta's win probability was 96.7%. But this win probability model that ESPN and others use, they've got to put a wrinkle in there. And you can't use the same model when the Falcons are playing that you use for everyone else. You can't do it. I mean, the Falcons can win a turnover battle have a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter and blow a game on Arthur Blank's birthday. And Dan Snyder still hadn't been fired. I think he's a great coach. They need to let him stay. Let him stay in Atlanta as long as possible. You talk about Tushy's getting tight. Not only that, the Bears had two touchdowns come off the board. One that ended up being ruled an interception after review. Another that was ruled incomplete. And when they were trying to make a comeback late in the fourth quarter, they missed a two-point conversion. So they needed three different scoring possessions to make it happen. Matt Ryan gets tight late. Oh, yeah, but he puts up all these yards, and he threw for, you know, he was even. No. With the game on the line, he just sails it over the head of receivers. The defense falls apart. There is nobody. When the game is on the line and another team is coming back that feels like the Atlanta Falcons are going to pull it off and do what's right. 
Nobody. Oh, Scott, why are you laughing at Atlanta? It's bad karma for the Saints. Stop it. If you can't laugh at the Falcons, then what's even the point? What's even the point? Laughing at Atlanta had nothing to do with the Saints' problems last night. And I'm sure that they were enjoying the Saints starting one and two. At least after they, you know, cried more tears and ate another gallon of ice cream, went back in their dark hole and came to the realization that being a Falcons pain being a Falcons fan is just basically setting you up for a life of just pain, just emotional pain and agony. Big Nick comes in. Bears are 2-0, and Trubisky's struggling. All right, let's just pull the trigger. And Foles came in, and he pulled the trigger, and guess what? The Bears are 3-0. and A Bears team that I picked to go to the playoffs this year before the season started. Are they really, really good? Oh, I don't know, but good enough to overcome a 15-point deficit to the Atlanta Falcons? Of course. No team had ever blown a fourth-quarter lead of 15 or more points Twice in a season. Ever. The Falcons just did it twice in a week. I got to give it to them. There is no franchise in professional sports that understands their brand and lives up to it more than the Atlanta Falcons. None. And so Saints fans, while you're while you're dealing with a loss, while you're dealing with the L. While you're dealing with what Sean Payton called a, quote, bit of a gut check, end quote, for the undisciplined New Orleans Saints. Just still, still, still take a moment to enjoy some other things in life. As it pertains to your sports fandom. Like the ineptitude of the Atlanta Falcons. Because if you can't laugh at that, then come on. What's the point of having a rivalry? Coming up next hour, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Malcolm Jenkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, their sound, post-game sound following the loss last night. Right now, the defense for the Saints is offensive, quite frankly. It's offensive. LSU's defense, there's not even a word for it. Bo Pelini, sheesh. Now, Pelini got off to a rough start back in 2005 as the defensive coordinator for LSU. And they didn't make adjustments for a while, and eventually late in the season it settled in. But, man, oh, man, sometimes you got to make an in-game adjustment. I mean, just just stop it. If you really if, – if, it's like if Cookie Monster has an addiction to cookies, okay? And if you have a cookie jar, but every time you try to take the top off, you get shocked over and over and over again. Well, Cookie Monster's not going to learn because he's Cookie Monster. Bo Pelini, when you are getting carved up over and over and over again with the man coverage principles and over and over and over again, and you're getting shocked. Don't don't keep reaching into the cookie jar. Maybe try something else. Maybe reach for a cracker. Maybe some dip. Just something. Cookie. 
623 yards in regulation for K.J. Costello. Mississippi State was minus three in the turnover department and still won by double digits and gave up a pick six. Ouch. You could focus on Miles Brennan all you want. Right now, the biggest concern for any LSU fan coming out of that is the defense. And the Saints, they got some concerns, no doubt. And a lot of focus is on Drew Brees in the offense. But the bigger concern right now, it's the D. What happened to this D? The D line and Cam Jordan. Where's Cam Jordan? Does he have one quarterback pressure through three weeks? What about this secondary, huh? Oh, you got two number one cornerbacks. They're not playing like it. Much more coming your way next hour. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. It's ESPN 1420. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. If you're joining us late, we caught up with Coach Napier, heard some uh, audio post-game with the media from Nate Snyder, talked to Little Saints and Tigers as well, and uh, laughed at the Falcons. The NBA Finals are starting Wednesday night. We'll have that game one for you on our airwaves, ESPN1420N.com and the app, Heat Lakers. You know, the Saints last night, Everyone's focusing on the bad, and I'm about to. But let's let's just quickly point out some good things, because there are. It's it's not like it's been all bad through the first three games. Alvin Kamara just just it's. You need to remind everybody, when I'm healthy, I can do things that no one else can do, and that 52 yard touchdown was incredible. Just incredible. I mean, he's he's just. Everyone that said, don't pay the man, you need to go apologize to him in person. Say, hey, man, look, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was wrong. I mean, if if he gets tackled in the open field, it's a three-yard loss. Instead, it's a 52-yard run. And shout out Eric McCoy. I mean, Chris Collinsworth was – I mean, you could hear him. He was literally drooling. He was giddy. He was like, <laughs> look, look at McCoy. Moving down the field like that. And and Caesar Caesar Ruiz, the rookie, getting out there. And I, I mean, I, I, I Andrews Pete high ankle sprain. You can read more about it over at ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. But Kamara and the supporting cast, the Saints, and the run game, Latavius Murray getting more carries this season on average at this point. I mean, you could barely see him at the end of twenty nineteen, and the Saints. Early on, decided let's power run the football here. Let's let's do it, and it was working, and it worked. Certainly in the first half, and Kamara's not an every down type of back. He's a lot more valuable when you can use him creatively. So, the run game, and of course Alvin Kamara, it's good. It's good. The bad, oh man. I mean, it was bound to happen at some point. It was bound to happen at some point. And what, I, what I've always said about Taysom Hill, and I love Taysom. I do. He's fun. He's an incredible athlete. He's like, you know, a, a, a comic book version of Eric Crouch. If Eric Crouch had just been like, I don't know, 80 more pounds of muscle, that'd be Taysom Hill. 
All right, he's a beast. He's a beast. But the sample size of him was small, right? He had not really done a lot to show some of his ineptitude and failures. I mean, he only threw a few passes, and they got overanalyzed to kingdom come. Like, it's like that's that's too small of a sample size to even really do anything. Oh, well, look back at when he was BYU, what, 60 years ago? Most of the time, he had only done great things. So it was inevitable at some point he was going to do something and it was going to be bad. Why do they bring Hill out when the offense is clicking? Well, because the third down efficiency on third and short improved drastically in 2019, and Taysom was a big part of it. Now, that that wasn't the case last night. It was bound to happen at some point. There was going to not just be, oh, well, he got dropped for a short loss. A big mistake. That was a big mistake. And as bad as the Saints' defense was, and as much as being made out of the lack of downfield passing game, it was the biggest play of the game. Biggest play of the game. That fumble was atrocious. The timing of it was atrocious. The defense gets a big stand, which feels monumental when you're going up against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And now you've got a tie game and a chance to go take the lead, and you have scored on four consecutive possessions, and then oof. Oof. Talk about getting Drew out of a rhythm at a critical moment. It was bad. It was bad, man. I mean, and 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 yes, the lack of downfield passing game, getting Michael Thomas back in the lineup certainly is going to help whenever that be whenever that will be. But the defense right now, I mean, the penalties, the offsides on Cam Jordan, the double penalty when when Aaron Rodgers gets him with the hard, with the hard count. The unsportsmanlike on special teams on J on JT Gray. You know, the, it just not having home field advantage without fans certainly doesn't help. But this team right now, with the exception of Alvin Kamara, just didn't didn't playing that good. Luckily, the Falcons are are giving us some gifts, but New Orleans is in the secondary right now. They're starting to get undisciplined. They're starting to get desperate. They really are. I mean, between Cam Jordan having, what, one quarterback pressure this year and and Marcus Davenport not being available yet, you can't have Trey Hendrickson be, okay, this is going to be your number one guy in terms of rushing the passer. Carl Granderson, number two, that's just not going to work. And you could look at a lot of Drew Brees and put all the blame on him and 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 – Last night, if that's what you're doing, no. No. That was on the defense. The deep balls to Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. You kidding me? I mean, I, we, we should have hoped that Devontae Adams was playing because apparently if Marshawn Lattimore is not going up against a, a, a an all-pro caliber player, he just decides to, like, give it, I don't know. He's going to go half speed here. Alan Lazard. You shut out Mike Evans in week one, and you're getting toasted by Alan Lazard. Come on, man. 
Alan Lazard. And the DPI penalties, they're just going to keep piling up. One of the PI calls was bad. It was an uncatchable ball. I know that. But don't focus so much on a few bad calls that you are blind to see the issues with this team right now. And a lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball. A defense that, with an all-pro with DeMario Davis, with Alex Anzalone, who somehow miraculously has not gotten hurt yet, and we're about to enter week four, with a secondary that has two number one corners and a defense that's got an all-pro in Cam Jordan. And I could go down the list. They've got players, and yet they're looking bad, man. And the Lions might not be a good team, but guess what? They got a good quarterback. You better win Sunday. You better win Sunday. 269-1077. Open it up, phone line. Sorry, a few of you have been waiting on hold. Just got tired of waiting. I'll get to you. Hang tight. Let's go to the phone lines right now. Mike is on line two. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay other than the game last night. But to illustrate how poor the Saints defense has been, last night they gave up scores on seven of nine possessions. They had one punt, and they stopped them on the fourth down. Uh, of course, they had the uh, end of the game doesn't count. Seven of nine, and stats were similar to the week before. They forced one punt in seven quarters. Yep. That is atrocious defense. I, I know the total points may not be 40 or 50, but if you look at that from that perspective, which uh, is more of a comment, I don't understand how it can go from being fairly uh, good unit last year to being one of the, uh, frankly, one of the worst in the league at this I, point. I, I, I don't, don't, I don't, I don't either. Happen. I don't either. And Aaron Rodgers is good. I get it. But like Derek Carr, I mean, the last, the, if you look at the last seven drives against Vegas, and then everything about last night, and you just touched on this. Mike, 17 series. The defense has forced one punt. One. And then they turned him over on downs right. last and, night, which, which again, felt monumental. And then they gave it right back to him with the Taysom Hill fumble. I mean, it, it, it you, because you're watching that game, you're watching the defense, you're like, you're going to need some help here. You're going to need a stop or a turnover. And while it technically wasn't a turnover, Turnover on downs works just as good. So you got the big play you needed, and then you just gave it right back. Just awful. Yeah, I don't know if Taysom's ever fumbled in his four years with the Saints. I mean, that's the first one I remember. There may have been another one. He had a, he had a fumble once on a week. pitch, uh, but they recovered it, and it was on an option play where he was pitching it to Kamara. It was like against the Giants. So it wasn't like a fumble where he was, like, running and securing the football. And that, that's the only other one, and they didn't even lose that one. So. Well, let me stress the point. When your defense is that poor, your offense has tremendous pressure where they cannot make any mistakes at all. And um, so going into next week, you're right. Lions have a good quarterback. There's no assurance whatsoever they're going to win that game. Uh, you know, the, the point of Drew Brees, you know, the short pass, now it's working. 30 points is supposed to win. They scored 24 points the week before. It's not the offense's problems despite their shortcomings. It's all defense. And I, I don't have an answer for it. I wish I did, but I don't. So I'll let somebody else ramble. Thank you. Appreciate the call. And listen, you know, when you're averaging, I, I, when you're averaging over six yards a carry, you can you can keep running the ball. I get it. But so many of these passes come late when you're down double digits, and then Green Bay starts coming. I mean, the power run game was effectively working for a while, and you kind of got away from it. 
But a lot of these dump-offs to Camara, sometimes they just act as a run, essentially. Just get the ball in the hands of a running back close to the line of scrimmage and see what happens. But the offense, I mean, they average 10 yards of pass play and over six yards of run play. That's that's efficient, guys. That's efficient. Drew, 29 of 36, 288 yards, three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, but Kamara did, took some of those, you know, over 100 yards after the catch. Okay, your point. My point is it's still efficient. The defense? Sheesh. Nah. No. Uh-uh. And look, Thomas Morstead, who I love, who was great in week one. That's that's the second straight week where he's made three punts last night. They were not good at all. Deontay Harris fumbles on a kickoff. Thank goodness JT Gray fell on the ball. This team's got issues. He had one sack all night. It was on a blitz by Demario Davis. That's it. So you're one and two. You've lost back-to-back games for the first time since 2017. No, you're not hitting the panic button yet. If Drew Brees had been, you know, inaccurate all over the field, even on those short passes, then I'd, you know, I'd be banging it. But you, you play in the Lions. You're playing the Lions, and it was on the road at Arizona. It was a good win for him. So they got a little confidence here. The giant, the, the Lions defense offered a slight glimmer of hope. They still have issues on both sides of the ball. But they came through late. They snapped an 11-game losing streak. And for the first time since last October, the Lions won a football game. The Saints need to make sure they don't win two in a row. Adrian Peterson. Leading the way for the Lions right now with Matt Stafford. That's what awaits the Saints in Motown on Sunday. You better get a win. And if you do, guess what? Then you get the L.A. Chargers, who are playing a rookie quarterback because their starter had his lung punctured by a doctor who was trying to give him a pain injection into his ribs and instead hit his lung. And they got beat by a Carolina team at home yesterday that didn't even have Christian McCaffrey. So you... You can get this thing back on the track if you're the Saints. You can get this thing right back on the tracks with with wins the next two weeks. And then you get a bye, and then you got the Panthers. You can get it right back on the tracks, but your margin for error? Slim. Slim, slim, slim. All this focus on Drew Brees. I, I thought he was one of the few bright spots last night. So I'm always, yeah, but throwing down the field. He can't throw it down the field. 30 points. He averaged 10 yards per pass play. He averaged over six yards per run play. That's efficient offense. That's what it is. The idea that Breeze has this cannon arm and that's how he's worked, that hadn't been the case for years. I've said it. I mean, in 2017, Breeze averaged 6.4 air yards per throw, which was 29 among the the 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. 
What that is is distance and yards downfield as the ball travels relative to the line of scrimmage. So a pass that at the sticks on first and 10 would amount to 10 air yards. Like, well, short passes. There's nothing wrong with short passes if they're efficient and they're working. You know? I mean, if you're going to do it, you have to complete them at a high rate. They have to be accurate. They were more accurate last night than they were in week two. But the guy didn't make a lot of mistakes. The, the problem, the issue hasn't been the air yards. You know? I, I, I think the issue, the bigger issue coming out of that one last night is for the second straight week, the defense. You're playing Aaron Rodgers. And you got to give the Packers some credit. And they didn't have Devontae Adams. And the Saints didn't have Michael Thomas. But not having Thomas, yeah. Kamara's incredibly gifted. Emmanuel Sanders had a big touchdown catch last night. Jared Cook, who's 33 years old, had to leave with a groin injury. Who knows how long he'll be out for. Saints could use Michael Thomas. Hopefully he'll be back week four against the Lions. And yes, defenses are going to probably continue to dare Drew Brees to throw it deep down the field. Probably so. But the veteran additions at this point, I don't know. I mean, is Malcolm Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders living up to the expectations that you had for him coming in? Are they? Penalties are killing the states. Um, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Jordan, Taysom Hill, these guys that were supposed to be stars on the team, not living up to it right now. Not living up to it. Here's Malcolm Jenkins after the loss last night. It's been just the lack of discipline, whether it's penalties, um, you know, your assignments here or there. Um, it's really just, just been hurting us. But, um, you know, we got a whole season. It's still very early, and there's things that we can correct, but we've got to do it and got to get it fixed if we want to be the team that, that uh, we set out to be. Next question's from Nick Underhill. What was it about those bootlegs they were running that just kind of seemed hard for you guys to adjust to? Yeah, it just uh, comes down to discipline. You know, eye discipline, uh, understanding, you know, what the offenses are going to do to you. Um, and, and all it takes is one guy, you know, not to be uh, doing his job uh, and, and know his plays, you know, control the clock but, or control the game, get, keep them ahead of the stick. So it's uh, something that we'll continue to see until we get it fixed. Next question is from Luke Johnson. Hey Malcolm, just, just considering how many veteran guys you have, is there sort of a sense that uh, that you guys can get this fixed? And is there a, a sort of confidence that comes along with that? I, I mean, for, for me personally, um, I feel like that was what I was brought here to do. Um, and so up to this point, I think I've uh, been failing in that regard. But it's, it's definitely something I think between myself and other leaders uh, on the team and on defense can definitely get, get fixed. I think the coaching staff, uh, does a great job of preparing us. Um, you know, as players, we got to take it upon ourselves and make sure 
that we're ready to go, that we're getting better every week, and that we're we're playing, you know, disciplined ball, um, and we just haven't been up until now. All right, that wraps it up. Thanks, Malcolm. Cool. Thank you. All right, and Sean Payton, here's some of what he had to say. Early on, and then I thought as it went on, um, we didn't play as well in the, in, in the second half. Sean Payton, ESPN fourteen twenty. Go ahead, Sean. Uh, how do you uh, get get other people involved besides Alvin? Is is that just the kind of the, the way that the, the Packers were playing tonight, or, or was he just kind of that big part of the game plan? Well, look, we ended up getting a lot of deep zone coverage, and there were, there were a ton of plays in for. Like for instance, Emmanuel, and and but sometimes look, a lot of it's predicated on the uh, the look that you're getting. Um, you'd like to be able to go in and say, hey, he's going to have X amount of touches, whether it's uh, Latavius, whether it's a tight end or another receiver. But that, that's kind of how it unfolded. So I'll look at the third down numbers. I thought got a little bit better in the second half, and yet they, they still weren't good enough. You know, we had some critical opportunities that. Um, that we let slip by offensively, and in the end, we couldn't keep pace with, with the numbers that they were putting up. Is not having Mike a part of that? It, it just uh, does that change what y'all want to do and, and how Listen, teams are playing you? I, I, look, I think this. No, I mean. We, we got a lot of coverage tonight, so that usually comes with Mike. Um, they were without Devontae. Both teams were without two really good defensive tackles, two really good receivers. That That's just, uh, that's the NFL. I mean, why do you think you guys couldn't keep pace? We just finished talking about it. We didn't convert some third downs. We struggled to get off the field on some of the third downs. That That's my take before looking at the tape, but we, we didn't do enough of the little things well. Sean, were you planning on rotating uh, Ruiz in uh, before Andres went down? Um, it saw him come in earlier for Nick. Yeah. Sean, some of these late pass interference penalties, I'm specifically talking about the one that occurred late in last week's game and then the two late in this game. Do you look at that as, hey, I can, this is teachable, I can fix it, or is it? Well, look, it has to be corrected. You know, in other words, you, you, we jump off sides and allow him a free play on third down when all week long we talk about discipline, cadence. You know, it's third and, you know, this, this is a great opportunity for us to get off the field and force him to kick a field goal. And, he, you know, when you get a free play like that, you throw it up and uh, the play gets extended and, it becomes difficult on the cornerback, but yeah, right now we're we're leading the league in those in those calls. Those are, those are the kind of things you probably specifically look at that drive you crazy when you when you go to look at the film with the rest of the team. I mean, it, you, you you tell your team all the time you got to be in there mentally, and I'm sure you maybe use that as an example or things like that. Is that a question, or are you? I mean, uh, it, was a, it was a bad rambling question. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's there's <laughs> a number of there's a number of frustrating things um, that 
I'm sure we'll see on tape. Sean, the, uh, the big pass to uh, Lazard, the 72-yarder, did, did you see what happened on that before you know, watching the film? Yeah, look, I, it, it's a safety's play. We're in quarters coverage. It's third down. I think it's third and 10. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't very good. Close to game time, were the uh, y'all deciding that uh, Onyemata and Marcus couldn't go? I think, look, as we approached today, I think we felt um, Marcus was going to be ready. We felt like next week, and hopeful David is as well. We'll keep you guys posted, but um, you know, we did what was best for this game. John, you always talk every year about um, you know you got to start over every year. It's a new year. Do you feel like your team's sort of struggling to find an identity early on? Well, look, to hang a hat on. Yeah, I, I, yeah, to some degree. I mean, you get you're you're frustrated as a coach because that starts with us, and we've got to do a better job. Um, we've got to you know get ready to play a better game against Detroit. Um, that's our industry. You know, we're one and two right now, and. Uh, it's been a while since we felt that, and yet three years ago we were 0-2. So, you know, a little bit of a gut check, and, and yet we're not playing, playing well enough. You know, let's not fool ourselves. Um, we're making too many mistakes, and, and we're, not playing, um, we're not playing disciplined enough on both sides of the ball. And that, that's really just the truth. Sean, obviously, Taysom's fumble turned out to be the turning point. Just in hindsight, what were your, what were your thoughts going into, into that, that call and how, how uncharacteristic was that, what happened there? Yeah, look, it was a tough break, tough play. Um, it's a give read. Uh, we have a chance for a big play, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, certainly, he works his butt off like all of, you know, it's just more of a technique thing. So if we have to look at how much, but... Um, that that was we had just stopped him on the fourth down play and uh, and so we got the ball in, in real good field position. We have a chance to to make some make something of it, and unfortunately, we didn't. That is Sean Payton after last night's loss to the Green Bay Packers. More from the Saints' loss, Cajuns' win, and Tigers' loss, plus your thoughts, phone calls at 269-1077, and why focusing on the quarterback play at this point in time for LSU and the Saints, I think is a waste of time. I'll explain more next, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere.
ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the great sports callers open think tank. I'm Scott Prather. 269 1077. Phone lines are open. Talking uh, Cajuns, Tigers, Saints after the weekend that was quite a bit. Post game sound. NBA Finals on deck as well. The Falcons ineptitude. It's all on the table. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Um, two games in a row, and the Saints start the second half by giving up uh, a, a touchdown. Uh, you can't win games like that. Um, you mentioned you said Kamara's playing good. I, I like the Trey Hendrickson. We, we got. I got. I think, he's, I think he's been playing well first three games. Uh, there's not too many bright spots on uh, defense, but I, I, I give Hendrickson some credit for stepping up. You know, uh, is Davenport that much of a loss, in your opinion? I mean, it's kind of like you're, you're you're used to him not being there a lot of the time, um, but when he's on the field, obviously, I think the pass rush will improve. Yeah. You know, uh, and hopefully he can play. But there's not much of a pass at all. Uh, Derek Carr was comfortable. Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, was comfortable. I mean, Davis got him on one blitz. Um, but other than that, I mean, you give guys time to throw the ball, you can be the best quarterback in the league or average. I mean, you're probably going to be able to carve up the secondary. And, and to me, it's making, I'm about to say that, it's making the secondary look bad, man. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you're not bringing pressure. No, uh, no, yeah, no and, doubt. Um, what, what, in your opinion, what happened uh, to uh, to running and the, the running the ball in the second half? It's like I, I think. Look, Green Bay made some adjustments, and so in the first half, some of those first down runs were you know breaking off for five, six, sometimes eight yards. Uh, and in the second half, you, you got you know you did it a, I don't know twice on first down, and it gained like two. And Peyton just you know one time he ran it on the second down in the second half, and then it set up a third and five. Uh, so I, I don't know if he just panics gets away from it or what but you could tell going into the game there was definitely a commitment to do it and then in the second half you know it got away from him a little bit and um you know I I just you know and some of that's breeze breeze checks out of it sometimes I mean you know I don't know that every one of those audibles is originally called a run but when you see the formation on the field and you see Josh Hill and Adam Troutman and Latavius Murray, and an extra O-lineman, my thought is they're probably going to run the ball, and then he checks out of it and, uh, and you know, gets Murray back in the backfield and, and ends up throwing the ball. Now, on that specific play I'm referencing, they got seven yards, so I'm not going to sit here and rip it, but, you know, just, just to point out that there are a lot of different moving parts in there, but, you know, without their, their, their really good D-tackle um, and showing how much they struggled to stop the run early last week against Detroit. I'm talking specifically about the Packers. You know, I love the game plan going in. Let's run it. Let's run it. And in the second half, especially the latter part, you know, I think after the Taysom fumble, uh, that's whenever it was just, let's, we're just pretty much going to throw it from here on out. And that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, take on Smith, man. I, I see he made a key block in the game on a run play, but make. Dude, you got to stop dropping the ball, man. <laughs> you know. Um, They're missing Michael hey, man, Thomas uh, so much. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the old days it, of Breeze can make anybody look like this or that. No, those, those days are gone. I mean, he's not he's not bad like people are making him out to be. He's not at all. In fact, I thought he played well last night. 
But uh, but you're missing the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and and you're missing them a lot. Yeah, and to me, basically, I think it's time for receivers to start getting respect when it comes to the MVP balance. And look at the situation in uh, Houston, look at the situation in Minnesota. You know, uh, Stephon Diggs is it was was basically a key piece in what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish, and you know. Minnesota's zero and three. Buffalo's three and zero. I mean, and and Diggs is a big reason why for both of those. Uh, no yeah. question, man. No question. And um, hey, one more thing, Malish. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no, no, no I don't. I don't remember what I was going to say. I was going to say something about Michael Thomas and you know his seven yard. Uh, you know. No, no. You were talking about uh Josh Allen. Well, Buffalo. That was a good. That well, I saw that Seattle. But anyway, uh. Hey, man, I'm trying to think, man. I was thinking about this last night, man. I can't think. Uh, has there ever been a time in the NBA Finals where a superstar is playing against his former team? Like, I can't I can't even think. I don't know. I, I don't know in about the NBA Finals, back. a superstar? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Like, in my, yeah, and I never, this is crazy, like, you know, Hopefully the uh, Lakers can take it in four, but of course that's not going to happen. I think um, I, I look. I think the Lakers are going <laughs> to win. I don't think it's four. Like this is a this is a year where I think oddly enough the West wasn't as hard to come out of as it typically is. Um, Miami's feisty, man. Like they're gonna they're gonna make this thing a series, uh, but. I don't know. I it's it's weird. The NBA finals in, in late September, early October is just weird, man. There's just so much football going on. <laughs> I don't know. It, it really is typically this thing happening in June. I'm so dialed into it. And and look, I'll be watching, but there's so many other things happening. Um Adam Silver said next next season probably will begin in January. Uh and if that's the case and it ends in, you know, uh early August, then I think that's a good thing. But Going up against uh, against football is is going to be tough for the NBA for sure. It's weird. You got Miami and LA, and uh, the finals are in Orlando. So here we go. Yeah, man, I wanted you to play notorious, man. Um, I'll, well, for me, my personal selfish take, but Saints didn't win, so you couldn't play it. So um, did you say notorious you- or did you mean glorious? Oh, notorious. Oh, glorious. <laughs> glorious. <laughs> I'm tripping. Well, I know I'm thinking of B.I.G. I know, B. I know. He had a song, Notorious, but I'm tripping. I'm sorry. But, yeah, that song, um, I guess next week you'll be able to play it. We'll see, man. But, Appreciate um, it. You have a good one. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. I want to have an opportunity to actually play it for a while. Hopefully I can play it at some point this season. I guess, look, if the Cajuns win on a Wednesday and then the Saints and LSU win on Saturday and Sunday, I guess I could play it on a I don't know, because the Saints, Cajuns play a week from Wednesday, then LSU plays Saturday, then the Saints play Monday, so it would be like a week later, whatever. If they all win it technically the same week, I'm playing it. I don't care if the games are six days apart, I'm playing it. ESPN 1420.com. LSU, man. All this to all this talk about Miles Brennan. I point out, man, Miles Brennan's under duress. He's been sacked seven times. Oh, yeah, but he's processing things slowly. He can't get it done. Guys. If your takeaway from LSU winning the turnover battle by three, getting a pick six, and losing double digits when they give up an SEC single-game record of passing yards to K.J. Costello 
and your biggest takeaway is, oh, well, you know, I mean, Miles Brennan, I, I don't know. He didn't, they could have done something if he had been better. Are you kidding me? 623 yards. Miles Brennan is not Joe Burrow. He's never going to be Joe Burrow. It's just not going to happen. But Joe Burrow's first game stat line after years of not starting when LSU beat the Miami Hurricanes was 11 of 24 for 145 yards. Completed 45% of his passes. Miles Brennan's first stat line after years of not starting, 27 of 46, 58% completion percentage, 345 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those two interceptions came on the last play of game, which was a garbage time heave to the end zone. He ain't perfect, but you can win with him if you're not giving up 623 passing yards. Woo. Sheesh. 269-1077. Let's take another phone call. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey, Scott. How are you? Good. Good morning. Hey, I got I got first off, I hundred percent agree with your LSU statement just now. The the, the offense ain't the problem. Defense <laughs> is the problem. Prior. After that yeah, game, I mean I don't but, understand how you can yeah. look at anything else and be like, Oh yeah, that's all on the quarterback. What? Sorry. <laughs> So, so I haven't, I, I haven't, I haven't been listening long, but I, I haven't heard something mentioned that I thought was big last night. Green Bay completed ten passes to tight ends. I mean, a week after I, Darren for, Waller for that, carves them up, yeah, no, no one's brought it up. It's a great point. It's ten, ten and, the, and they, if you look at the first two games, they've gotten little to no production from their tight ends. So I don't know if, and it didn't seem like it was complicated. But it never does, right? It looks uh, easy when you yeah, and, and a lot of that was a lot of that was off of bootlegs, um, and you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I didn't realize it was that many. So who? Oh yeah, because Tanya. Yeah. So there was there was yeah, how Tanya many? had five or six, and then ten. It was either nine or ten completions. Okay. To three I, different tight ends. Okay, so yeah, between Lewis Sternberger and Tanya, I think it was nine, which is a lot. Yeah. Nine for like over a hundred yards and two touchdowns. So throw that in there as well. Yeah. 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 So just just a thought. I hadn't heard anything about it. I thought it was interesting. So Oh no, you're right, man. It's a good point. And um let me let me pull up I'm gonna pull up the Lions numbers right now and see what their tight ends done this year. Just well their tight ends their tight ends are better than Green Bay's. I, I would I would agree with that. I mean I you know, yeah, uh, T- so they're, yeah, they're, is a good- he's their leading he's their leading receiver right now. He's got thirteen catches, leads yeah, the team in receiving yards. He's a good tight end. Hawkins is a good tight end. T.J. Hawkins. I don't remember their second guy, but their second guy is deep. I know Hawkinson because he's in my fantasy. Okay, he's good. Their, so. their backup is uh, <laughs> is Jesse James, who's best known for when he played for the Steelers and had a touchdown in a playoff game, or maybe against the Pats or something. That was anyway. That's that's their backup. He's only caught three uh, three catches this year, but shoot, I'd mark him down for another five come Sunday. All right, man. We'll see you. Thanks. Good point, man. Tight ends. Two weeks now. Oof. Oof. If you missed last hour, missed the 70 a hour, we did talk a good bit of Rage Cajun football. Talked to Billy Napier. Heard from Nate Snyder. Did you hear the game winner? We have all that for you coming up right after this. We're back in two minutes.
on ESPN 1420. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. Play clock is at 10. Snap. Placement. Kick. On its way. And the kick is good. (laughs) Cajuns win it. A 53-yarder by Nate Snyder. As time expires and Louisiana gets a 53-yard field goal from Nate Snyder. And they win. 20 to 18. <laughs> Holy cow. And he, any of you that saw the video or saw it on TV, there's this guy standing right behind the goalpost. And he starts to take off when it goes through, but trips on the football, pops right back up, runs onto the field, his arms flailing around in the in the air like a chicken with his head cut off. That would be Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard. He was excited. Oh, that was good. Jonathan Stove, former Raging Cajun basketball player. Very good basketball player. He tweeted out after the game. He said, that was Maggard under the goalpost? Because he almost tore his ACL. Dr. Maggard responds, but he didn't. Stayed on his feet like a cat. (laughs) I love it. See, the Cajuns were missing a lot of players on Saturday. A lot. And when Chris Smith goes out, you're missing Max Mitchell and Eliza Mitchell and Taylor Humphrey and A.J. Washington and so many others, and you start losing guys within the game, and you don't have your two and three deep. It doesn't matter who you play, man. It's tough. Ask Georgia Southern. They were missing a third of their team week one. They were playing the Campbell Camels, and they missed Campbell's two-point conversion that cost them the game that, that helped them win the game at the end. Georgia Southern had something to do with that miss, so let me give them credit. And give Georgia Southern credit. Shy Wirtz is awesome. I mean, that two-point conversion play he made, that catch by J.D. King, I'm sorry, not by King, by Caleb Hood, late in the game, left a little too much time on the clock, and a kicker who was two of six on the year, and the one that he made prior to that earlier on the day from 25 yards out just nearly got inside the upright. Is everyone saying, oh, my gosh, this guy, he's, he's missing left and right. How is he going to hit this? And he nailed it. Team jumps on him. They celebrate. And he's, look, I played the audio of him post game earlier when he spoke to us. He said, you might have looked at my stat line and thought I wasn't confident going out there to kick it, but I was confident. My coaches kept me confident. My teammates kept me confident. They all kept coming up to me after every miss and saying, it's fine. You're going to get it right. You're going to get a shot. We're going to need you. And the fact that Kenny Amanderez, the backup, was not available for COVID reasons. And now you've got Snyder who missed a short one earlier. Maybe he doesn't go out there to attempt the 25-yarder he made earlier in the game. Maybe it's all different, but it wasn't. Redemption. I mean, he scored eight of the Cajuns 20 points, two field goals, two PATs. The 53-yard game winner, his confidence, I'm sure, is much higher now after making that one. But he said he didn't even really have any confidence issues going out. 
You don't always get a shot at redemption in football, but when you do and it works, it's awesome. It's awesome. Lorenzo McCaskill was awesome, by the way. I mean, you talk about players of the game for the Cajuns. That He's the player of the game. 14 total tackles. Braylon Trahan was terrific as well. Maybe a game ball for each of them. Braylon with an interception, second on the team in tackles. Uh, Zion Hill was good. Errol Rogers Jr. was good. They had some bright spots. Trey Regis, 100 yards uh, between his rushing and receiving collectively. 3-0, and and Cajun fans upset they fell out of the top 25 polls. Hey, if you want to hear Coach Napier's thoughts on all of that and you didn't hear it earlier in the show when I talked to him, I'll have that interview up for you over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app a little later this morning. Keep an eye out for that. That's it for the show today, everybody. Tomorrow we'll visit with Chris Lano, break down some Cajun football, talk a little bit more about LSU, working on some other guests as well. The NBA Finals start Wednesday night. We got a huge Monday night game tonight, man. Chiefs-Ravens? Good to have sports, guys. High school football gets underway locally here this week. Hoping to visit with Eric Narcisse a little later this week. Stay tuned. Beyond the Game with Steve Peliquin is coming your way next. CSPN1420.com.